All right, Pat here, Veterans Vigil. What's going on, everyone? How's it going out there? We all having a good day, having a blessed day. We wake up and read our scriptures. We thank God for the life we have, that we have our feet planted on the ground or butt planted in our chair or prosthetics attached or do we have life? I get it. I get it. Um, Got to be cognizant of that. Got my good friend Dave, Dave G, 3rd Special Forces Group brother. He lost both his legs in Afghanistan in 2000. Oh, Dave, please don't get mad. 2004, this is the 04 trip. That man still walks the earth, <clears throat> and he still lives his life every day. He retired from Special Forces, and he had a long way to go after that. Anyway, wow, we got deep real quick. So, um, hmm. Let's start with a funny story. It has nothing to do with war. It was way before I could even spell USMC. Okay, so no kidding, there I was. My uh, senior prom dance, that's sort of what we called it, but I went to this college prep school in Indiana and uh, we're getting ready to leave and the dates are over at our house and uh, staying next to my date. And For those of you who know me or those of you who are getting to know me through this podcast, I can be a bit of a smart tea pants every now and again. I said something funny appropriate but it was funny and my date nice pretty young gal quickly uh snapped her hand and it hit me in the solar plexus and it caused a very loud obnoxious fart to come out of my behind in front of all her and my date and all the other gals and of course my 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 hockey buddies yeah so that's the way i began senior prom so i call that uh hashtag prom failure Okay, so there's a story to start the day. So where are we going? Where, what's, what's this about? It says God and war. What is, what is God and war? Uh, moving the mic, I know it's so annoying. I'll get good at this whole studio thing one day. My COO, Miss uh, Capital E, she'll, she'll fix it. Fix me, actually, is the problem. God and war. What does God have to do with war? Boy, you know, we could sit around the table, we sit around the fire smoking a good cigar and talk about that forever and ever. But I'm not here to talk about God and war, why war happens, why war doesn't happen, and all that kind of stuff. I'm here to talk about one young man and his experience, his first experience going to war, and that's this guy. And I want to relate this, not to talk about me, not to highlight myself, not at all, not, not trying to be a spotlight ranger, not, not at all. I want to relate to you what I think a lot of you have felt but can't share or can't talk about. Here is the problem with us in war. I can't speak for the ladies because I am not one. Excuse me. I am not a lady. I am going to have some female guests that are veterans, some veterans that are females. I think that's the same thing. I want to get their perspective because there is, or there can be, in some cases, some differences. Uh, psychologically, we're built a little differently. Physically, we're definitely built differently, at the at least at the base levels. But I can speak from a guy and some of the things that guys go through and the way we're raised in our society. Uh, there's some stu- there's some stuff going on. And one of the things from guys that I can attest to is that we're supposed to be tough. I grew up, I played ice hockey, tough. Uh, then I joined the Marine Corps, tough. Then I joined the Army. I joined the Airborne. I joined Special Forces tough 
what don't men do in front of other men? We don't cry. We don't complain. You know, we don't show weakness because if you show weakness, at least in the infantry or special operations, your buddy's going to exploit that and just make your life a ever living bad day. Okay. In a good way. It's, 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 it's the way we uh, care about each other. But a serious note though, you know, we don't, we don't, we, we don't go to battle and, and come back to the team room or go back to base and back and back to the States and say, oh, gee, that really affected me, Bob. I'm hurting inside because of that. My heart hurts. It emotionally affected me because Bob or Jim or Al, whoever, none of these are real names, that dude may have stood next to you and nothing fazed him or her. So you look at them and go, well, God, I mean, Remember in that gunfight that they acted like they were just sitting at a home, you know, having an ice cream cone with their kids. They, they were just completely unfazed. And there are folks like that. But just because they were, it doesn't mean they were. All right. Some are. But everyone hurts. All right. I don't think a lot of people walk away from a war unscathed. I don't think a lot of people go to war and come back unchanged. I can only explain speak from my experience and the experiences from a, a, a few very close friends, former teammates, because we do share that stuff now, but we didn't before we were all full of bravado and you know, what and vinegar, you know, running through life saying, you know, what can hurt us? Sure. We saw friends die. We saw friends maimed, almost killed. A lot of us, you know, a lot of, a lot of folks got hurt themselves, but we still uh, carried on. We pulled ourselves up by the bootstraps and got it done. But way down the road, we realized we're changed. So, God of War, what does it have to do with anything? So here's my little anecdote. Get down to the brass tacks, as I like to say. So I graduated the Q course uh, right around Thanksgiving 2003. And I was assigned a 3rd Special Forces Group. I already knew I was going to 3rd Battalion 3rd Group, which was deployed. Uh, 533 in Kanahar. Um, I was assigned to ODA 391. It was not a team that was actually working together. They had just had a phenomenal uh, the invasion of Iraq. You could read the book uh, Roughneck 91 by Frank Antonori, actually my technically my first team sergeant. <laughs> Anyhow, I got over there uh, January of 04, landed in a 20-hour jaunt across the world on a C-17 Thankfully, there was a guy who was coming back to Afghanistan from uh, emergency leave, and his name is Carl. No, not like the funny, we make fun of everyone named Carl in the military. His name really is Carl, and he is one of the kindest men and greatest men I've ever met in my life, and I wish him and his wife blessings every day. Anyhow, we got the 533 in, in Kanahar, calf, and I didn't know what was going on. I felt like I had just got out of a blender after 20 hours in the C-17. I'm in Afghanistan. The sight, this, all the senses are inundating. I bump into the command sergeant major, uh, sergeant major Rick, former fifth group guy, and uh, I'd met him because I had uh, levied to go to Third Battalion, Third Group. I'd levied to go to Charlie Company, Third Battalion, Third Group. I'd levied to go to ODA 391. Because uh, they had a guy in the team who had done some pretty righteous stuff uh, in the Battle of Tobacco. 
and I, I wanted to be his junior Bravo. And that's exactly where I ended up. Thank you, God, for giving me that. But anyhow, the team wasn't working together. So I was going to go work with another team, ODA 373. Uh, and he tells me this at 6 in the morning after a 20-hour john across the world. He says, hey, good to see you. Sergeant Lynch, uh, yep, you're, you're going to get in a CH-47 tomorrow, and you're going to go fly out to uh, Firebase Tice there in uh, Dana Rood District up there in the Ruzgan province. And... ODE 373 and 372 and report to so-and-so and so-and-so. Okay, all right, have a good day. I don't even have a gun. I don't know where to get a gun. I don't have ammo. I don't have a gun. Back to that problem. I don't know where to drop my bags. I don't I don't know where day what. I don't know where any of this stuff is. <laughs> well, my good friend Carl, great man, like I said. He got me squared away. I got guns. I got ammo. I got hand grenades. I got everything I was like a kid in a candy store. They had a Connex behind the hooch full of things that probably shouldn't have been sitting there. Yeah, I was ready for war. I knew what was going on. So next day, I was flying out the next night or two nights later or something like that. Oh, you know what? I know for a fact it was the, it had to be January 2nd because I was there New Year's Eve, New Year's Day, and then it was that, yeah, that second full day that I was there. I flew out. Yeah, just, uh, well, thank you, God, for that memory. So anyhow, I, uh, yeah, so uh, getting ready on January 2nd to uh, fly up to Darud, Firebase Tice, in, in honor of uh, Pete Tice, third group, uh, fallen comrade. And uh, I found myself to the chapel. Now, I talked a little bit on in my intro podcast. I grew up Christian, uh, but I didn't grow up in a really, you know, hardcore or Sorry, let me take that back. I didn't really grow up in a really strict Christian household. It was, uh, it, you know, I went, I went to I went to a Christian school, went to mass once a week, but with the family, it was more of, you know, hey, we'll go to mass on, you know, Christmas and Easter, etc. So I wasn't really, you know, didn't know a lot about the book. I knew what it was. I knew some of the, you know, some of the some of the books in the book, and yeah, but it wasn't close. But you know what? I was about to get in a helicopter to leave the big base to go to a little base in the middle of nowhere in a Taliban stronghold. And I felt compelled to walk into that chapel. There wasn't anyone there. It was late at night. They had those little Bibles. and You know, my veterans out there know what I'm talking about. Those little tiny ones. Kind of blackish, greenish cover. Imitation leather bound. But in the... Uh, Special Forces 533 Chapel there. They had these uh, really cool ones with the size of a uh, paperback novel you buy at an airport. Had a metal cover on it, a stainless steel or aluminum, not sure what. And inside the front cover was the uh, Special Forces prayer. And uh, I put my name and the date inside that Bible. And I have it to this day. And I sat there and I, I read. I don't remember what I read. I prayed. I don't remember what I prayed for. I'm pretty sure what I, I prayed for what every man going to war prays for, to make it home alive. And I wrote that letter. You know that letter? You know, when you're going to war for the first time, or the second, or the 15th, you wrote that letter to whomever your loved one is, or loved ones. It's the last letter you may ever write. And that was a very sobering moment for me to write that letter. In a house of God, with a Bible, <laughs> at least on the cover, the literal cover looked to be bulletproof. It was a very sobering moment to write that letter. 
to say goodbye to someone, to realize that this pen to paper may be my last communication with my loved ones. It's an incredibly sobering moment the first time you do that. And I'll never forget it. And I've done it many times since then. And it, 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 while the first one is very impactful, but it does not get any easier. And it is not any less real. It's almost as real as you can get next to actually being in armed conflict and realizing the man on the other side of that gun is trying to take your life away from you. Writing that letter to your loved ones and saying goodbye is one of the toughest things I've ever had to do. And it was one of the toughest things I had to do because I've actually had to say goodbye to one of my loved ones when I was young. And I'll talk about the story with my mom and when she committed suicide when I was 11 years old. But I was the one who found her and I was the one who said goodbye to her and I kissed her on her cold cheek and said goodbye. And there I was, years, decades later, writing a letter to my loved ones saying goodbye. And you talk about a really strange, crazy dichotomy. To be there writing a letter to say, you know, this is the last time I'll put pen to paper. And it was tough. And I did that in the house of God. And I realized that little saying, I've heard this long ago. My dad probably said it to me watching some silly war movie. That was about as far from reality as there, there can be as far as war. And, you know, in the, in the movie where my dad said, yeah, there's no such thing as an atheist in a foxhole. Well, a couple things about that. <laughs> no, pretty much one thing about that. That is about as true as a day is long. Now, sure, I know all, some people out there are, you know, been to war and they do what they do and they don't believe in God. That's fine. I'm not here to judge. I'm not here to try to convert every every brother and sister out there. I would love for people to come to God and believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. But I'm talking to you. That's as much as I can do right now. But I believe in God more than ever up to that point, that moment right there, when I realized that I'm about to go forward and do the deed, writing that letter. It was a very sobering moment. It brought me very, very, it brought me a lot closer to God. And it was a good thing. It was a good moment. Now I'm here today, decades later, well, not almost two decades later, and uh, telling you this story. And I tell you it for this reason. We need to write that letter every day. And what do I mean by that? We need to treat every day as if it were our last. No, not trying to be dramatic. I know we hear that all the time. But look at the loved ones across from you, on your left and your right behind you. Look at your wife. Look at your husband. Look at your kids. Look at your mom, your dad, your brothers, your sisters, your cousins, your best friends. Look at the people that are important to you. And just think about writing that letter in your head. Hey, if this was the last moment I had on this earth, etc., etc., and then stop thinking about it in your head and go up to them and look them in the face, look them right in their eyes and tell them what you want to tell them. Because this world is a war. No, I don't mean guns and bombs. I mean the world is a war. It's a spiritual war. It's the evil one trying to take goodness from the world and take it to hell. And we have to realize that. We can write that letter every day. We can verbalize that letter every day. We can be that shining light to the world. Let God win. Let God win in your life every single day. That's what you have to do. Write that letter and realize that God and war, what does that mean? It means that this world is a war. We've been to war, my veterans out there. 
my folks who have seen armed conflict. You know what I'm talking about. That is war. That's combat. That's horrible. Some of us have seen the worst things that this world has to offer, and there are things that in my mind that I could not get out of my head ever. But that doesn't dominate my life. It doesn't define who I am. Does God define who I am? Well, I'm made in the likeness of God. God says, you are made in my likeness. Well, that's pretty, that's, that's what I call perfection. It's us who choose as humans to not be perfect. So, go write that letter in your head. Go write it literally. But then go find that person that you're writing it to or for and give it to them. Tell it to them. Just hug them. And realize that no matter what war you're fighting, no matter what battle is in your life right now, God is there with you. Whether you're in his literal, literal house, whether you're in a house of God, or in your house, or if you're struggling, God's house is everywhere. This world is his house. And be in his house and realize that he's with you. Find that Bible and hold it close to you. Open it. Read a scripture. And realize that God in war, he's always there with you. My brothers and sisters, I love you. God bless you. Sign it out.